Hello everyone and welcome back to James Cameron's Titanic Scene by Scene. I'm Brittany Butler. I am Ethan Brim. And I am still sick. <laughs> Same. Oh, the congestion is killing me. I hate the way it sounds. Okay. We're not going to dwell on it. Uh, we're going to just keep going. So today we are talking about scene 34 titled At the Stern in the scene selection, as well as Prayer for the Dying. That's the second little half of this very short scene. Uh, crazy that we once again I keep I keep talking about how crazy it is how far we've made it into this movie but it really is this is the end mm-hmm. I mean it's not the end of the movie but it's like the end of Titanic's lifespan within the movie like we're we're here yeah you have we have the epilogue still which is a chunk and then obviously the credits but yeah this is like the end of the Titanic Titanic part the ship yeah yeah yeah, it's just really as like as I was watching it and taking my notes, I was like, "Wait, we're here, we're really here." Yeah, taking these notes. Wow. Ah, okay. So before we get into it, I have two emails I'd like to read today, just because the scene we're talking about is quite short. Um, even though I said I still have three and a half pages of notes. <laughs> for literally under two minutes maybe i think i don't know (laughs) it like i I, the scene was over and i was like wait that can't be it exactly i was like wait yeah so i have two emails i'd like to read uh one is quite lengthy and the other one isn't as lengthy but they're both brand spanking new nice so that's cool so this letter is from sarah the subject is thank you and she goes on to say, Brittany and Ethan, thank you. Hearing you both and all of your guests talk in such detail about my favorite movie has been a great joy in my life since I discovered your podcast. I don't think I can ever truly express what this movie means to me, but I'm going to try. I was 12 years old, so pretty much the exact right age for Titanic teen mania when the movie came out. I went with my whole family in December of 1997 to see the movie and had what I guess you could call a mild panic attack before previews sitting in the movie theater. I'm a pretty deeply feeling and sensitive person, and intense or traumatic images have never been for me. I was afraid of what we might see, so we left. But Titanic just seemed to keep calling to me, and I went back, this time with just my little sister, and the rest is history. The two of us ended up seeing it 15-plus times together in its original theater run, and countless of times on our VHS after. We felt like we had transcended. We engaged in all of the pandemonium, getting all of the stuff we could find in more or less... A pre-internet world. We devoured magazines, books, the soundtrack, TV bits, posters, computer games. We taped My Heart Will Go On with the movie clips interspersed from the radio. Do you remember that version, by the way? There was no. like a version with like dialogue the, from the movie. <laughs> really? Interspersed, yeah. on the radio? On the radio, clips from the movie, <laughs> yes. So it's like, if you didn't see the movie... You were missing out. You didn't know what the heck all these clips were, <laughs> were about. Yeah, you're like, what is this version? Let's see. Uh... Yeah, and we would rewind and listen on repeat for hours. We wanted to be Rose, and if not her, at least Kate Winslet. 
Titanic defined us and in a lot of ways our childhood. Sadly, life moved on and Titanic largely slipped away from my foreground. I was something like heartbroken when I heard a fan write in about walking down the aisle to the portrait and the make it count tattoo that you have, Brittany. I drove through Pigeon Forge with some friends once and I didn't insist on going to the museum. I had forgotten that I had always meant to make Rose the middle name of my daughter and sing Hem to the Sea as I soothed my babies. But seemingly, maybe just when I needed it the most, I by chance saw a paragraph in a magazine mentioning it being re-released on Valentine's Day 2023. I was going to be visiting my sister right then, and when I mentioned it, she said, we need to go, don't we? I replied that it was all I wanted for my birthday that was just days later. Watching Titanic again brought all of the feelings that I felt a million times before watching that movie as a young girl, and then a million new ones watching it now as a woman. There is something so beautifully brilliant about a movie that can make you feel like you're a child in one of your happiest, safest spaces, but also make you feel like you're being seen in that exact moment of your life right then, no matter who you are, what you're going through. I mean, who doesn't want to find a love they jump back onto a sinking ship for? My heart breaks for the naysayers who want to write this movie off, the beautiful story and the life lessons that they're missing. And I feel angry that they took this movie from me for so many years, making me feel like I was a silly teenage girl who just loved Leo, parentheses, even though I do, uh, and had to move on to be taken seriously. I now see how important it was that a whole generation of teenage girls in the late 90s got to finally see a main hero and love interest who was kind and tender-hearted, expressed his love freely, and was unafraid of his emotions. How impactful it was to see a woman's story, a whole epic movie being told through her eyes. It sounds silly, but we hadn't had that before. No wonder we couldn't stay away. And now I'm back, and I'm soaking in everything I can since rewatching, just like I did in the 90s, with the new and added bonus of all the information you could possibly want about anything at your fingertips. It's how I found this podcast. I hang on your every word. I simultaneously want to do nothing but listen to it all at once, but also stretch it out so that it never ends. I have debated what to do when it's over, and I have truly decided to start right back at the beginning and listen again. I have finally caught up and just finished Shadow dreams. I figured it was time to write this email, something I have literally never done in all of my 37 years. I've never even left a review. That's how important this is to me. Titanic has done so much for me, from helping me learn to love my curly hair, to reminding me that life is a gift and to make each day count. I have tears streaming down my face just writing all of this. I know I'm not unique, but to me, Titanic is brilliant. So thank you to James Cameron for telling a beautiful story in a beautiful, flawless way, the attention to detail, the seamless way that everything comes together is nothing short of genius. Thank you to James Horner for a masterpiece score that never ceases to make me feel all the feelings. Thank you to all the cast and crew who made this movie come to life and be absolutely unforgettable and thank you to you two for sharing your insights and passion and having the conversations i've been trying to have but nobody will listen Uh, i know the feeling uh love from a fellow titanic fan sarah p.s Brittany, i can relate even after so many years i can still recite virtually every line of this movie verbatim though not with as good a rose impression as you have don't let people make you feel bad i feel like i'm just getting pity messages about this now at this point <laughs> this, this is 
I'm I'm paying them to write these to to include it in there. I'm getting sympathy comments now. And then PPS, Ethan, this is random, but you laugh just like my very best friend. And it feels extra sweet to laugh out loud about all the ridiculous deleted lines with you. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. No, that's great. Thank you, Sarah. Great email, though. Yeah, thank you. I know. It was Um, so great. Also, shout out the Pigeon Forge Museum. Right, we got it. She didn't go, but you know, next time I'm sure I'm sure now she wants to. Also, seeing a movie twelve times in theaters, fifteen times, fifteen times in your theater in theaters when you're twelve years old is wild to me. Like, I don't even know if I would have been allowed to see a movie that I know paying that many times to go see a movie. I'm trying to think like what was my favorite movie around. I remember when I was thirteen. Or 14, my favorite movie was Coach Carter, and I saw that like <laughs> three times in theaters, and I thought that was a lot. And I don't even know if my parents would have let me see it more times than that, but yeah, that's crazy. But that's what I just think is so fascinating about Titanic the way it has that sort of effect on the mm. people that love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? The people that love Titanic, we're going to see it a bazillion times and it's just it's it's weird there's no yeah. in between <laughs> yeah and, and and then like even it kind of like uh quote-unquote haunts you like even if you try to run away from it or whatever it yeah. always come kind of comes comes back around because it's always culturally it's there's like a cyclical i think enthusiasm for the movie amongst people who like aren't hardcore fans but in the sense that it just always comes back up in in conversation and in culture mm-hmm but we've had a few emails where people are like, oh, yeah, like I kind of stopped. I didn't watch it for a few years and now I'm like obsessed again or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's interesting that aspect, too. And I I like that she was very open about the fact that she maybe felt ashamed, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better term. I mean, everyone has like guilty pleasures, but it's it's crazy to think that a guilty pleasure is something that's like this good artistically brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes the 11 time oscar winning movie is a guilty pleasure like it doesn't make yeah. any sense like i was embarrassed about how much i loved like the backstreet boys when i was like nine years old but um, yeah you know but like it's crazy that it's like yeah this is it was a cultural phenomenon and people were like still ashamed about it. it's like i which i get like i totally relate to that um it's just it's it's wild that people would make you feel bad about this mm-hmm. yeah um, I feel like there was one more thing that she said that I thought was interesting. Oh, no, something you just said. It, Yeah, the way you said it haunts you. It, it also kind of, it just made me think of like how when it was in theaters this year for the 25th anniversary, like I'd see it and then it would sit with me. The experience would sit with me and you want to experience it again. Like mm-hmm. that's, I think, what it was like in the 90s for people. It was like you see it on the big screen in this experience and then you just want to keep experiencing that you want it to keep feeling like the first time yeah and so as long as it was in theaters i was compelled to keep going until it was no longer there because you're just chasing that feeling and especially uh after it's already your favorite movie you're just chasing that feeling of being able to see your favorite movie in this environment because you know it's going to be gone until you know whenever else you know whenever it comes back you know but yeah that was a really great email i loved it it was so nice and heartfelt her feelings toward our podcast too was you know very heartfelt and really appreciated it mm-hmm. so yeah definitely thank you um yeah so thank you so much sarah that was really nice and i loved you know sharing your story and 
Yeah, and it was an interesting one of, you know, almost for forgetting how much the movie had meant to you over a certain amount of time because of, you know, like you said, um, those reasons, um, but then finding your way back, as I think we all do. Yeah. But yes, so now I just have one other one, not as long, but we literally just got it today, a few hours ago, and I thought it was really sweet. So this is from Julia. The subject is 10 out of 10 podcast. Uh, She says, Dear Brittany and Ethan, my name is Julia and I just had to write to you both to tell you how much I love this podcast. I am only 10 years old. Oh, nice. I love this. Very cute. I love it. But ever since I watched James Cameron's Titanic in July, I have been obsessed with everything about it. Your podcast has helped me relive all of the magic of the movie over again. I especially love the flying scene. It is so romantic and makes my heart flutter every time I watch it. I also adore Britney's Rose impressions. No, I swear to God, I'm not paying people to say this. Britney's just including this herself in people's emails. (laughs) I'm not. I swear. That's amazing. Um, They bring the character to life even more for me. And Ethan, I love how you take the scenes into deep detail. It's like watching the movie unfold all over again. I have something to tell everyone that misunderstood this scene. But when Rose says, I'll never let go, people think she's saying she'll never let go of Jack's hand. But it's really just her saying, I'll never forget you and I will keep our promise. It makes me look at people funny when they say stuff like, she said she'd never let go, but she let go. (laughs) And then I end up having this conversation with them. It's a one and one million percent chance I get picked to be the email read on the podcast, but I would literally sing My Heart Will Go On at the top of my lungs if I got chosen. Sorry this is so long. There's just so much to talk about. Anyway, thank you for creating such a cool podcast that I can listen to and fall asleep to. Keep up the amazing work. Sincerely, Julia. Oh, very sweet, Julia. Thank you. That's so cute and so well written. 10 years old. Really good. Yeah. It's great. I I wish I could write like that when I was 10. Oh my gosh. I probably sounded so (laughs) obnoxious when I was 10. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And like, yeah, I thought I was a good writer when I was 10. Nah. Also, I would have like made it 10 times longer just trying to get my point across. (laughs) I love the way. So she said she saw it in July. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just a few. Yeah. Just a few months ago. So after the theatrical re-release. Yeah, that was like February, yeah. Yeah. But see, again, a 10-year-old out there saw it for the first time in July, has become obsessed with everything about it. Yeah. I'm telling you, the Titanic-prone people (laughs) out there. (laughs) Disposition of being obsessed with Titanic. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But especially when you're a kid, if you're a Titanic kid, it just happens. Um, The Titanic gene. I love the way. I wonder if there is one. It's like there's like a collector's gene, you know, like people who are just like more prone to collecting things. Yeah. The way all of us who like Titanic have had almost the same lived experience. It is weird. There's got to be some kind of gene. I don't know. It's uncanny. It's uncanny. It is. Especially from childhood. It's weird. It's like something in the brain. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, like, it, like it's totally a movie that, you know, as you get older, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I can relate to so many parts. But there's so many people who have been obsessed with this pretty mature movie from when they were a kid. And it's like yeah. they, they probably don't even 
grasps a lot of certain elements from it. Like I'm sure you even noticed as you got older, you appreciated different facets of it mm-hmm. in different ways. So that is, but that's wild. what's awesome though. This is like one of the best movies to fall in love with as a kid because it grows with you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And it's one of those yeah. movies that will always be there for you mm-hmm. in profound ways as you get older, you know, that's why. Yeah. One of the reasons I love it. But totally. thank you, Julia. That was so sweet. It really was. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that you're starting your Titanic journey mm-hmm. <laughs> at the age of 10 and that you found our podcast and that you're already having arguments with people about Titanic. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And keep arguing, too. <laughs> and, and that's so true. I, I remember having the same argument with people all, yeah. the, all the time. <laughs> but we'll get there when we get to it. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> okay so that was a long intro i'll probably edit it down a little bit but um yeah i just wanted to read those to you today so mm-hmm. hopefully we can zoom through this scene and i'm so sorry about my congested <laughs> nose all right so the scene opens with that super intense shot of the ship rising from the back and it's another complicated multi-composited shot of like a model with a live action foreground and green screening to put them there and everything and i was gonna ask you how does this look in imax or like on the big screen i I can't remember because it was on on just my i was watching it on uh my laptop for this one and uh it looked definitely i could tell the that it was it was probably the most obvious a special effect, I think. So far. yeah, which is weird because I always remembered the scene looking really good, but every time I see it on a smaller screen, I okay. can tell it looks very obvious. But on a um, big screen, it looks better. Yeah, I think so. I okay. think especially also when you see it on the big screen, you're just so in the moment. Yeah, yeah. that you're really not even thinking about any of that. That's true. Like I'm start like yeah, I'm not watching the whole three hour movie every time we prepare for the podcast. So yeah, that and be it's crazy. such a, and it is an, a short kind of clip. Uh, yeah. But I think, <clears throat> I think as well, seeing it in Dolby, I've said it before, but the way the blacks on the Dolby screen are so vivid, it really, yeah. it really helped all of the special effects for some reason. Like it just, it made it blend a lot better. I don't know why. Yeah. The contrast on the laptops definitely are not made for movies. I've always no. said. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, you, you can see things worse on yeah. a computer uh, and lower quality as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I said that we see more combos of techniques with, like, some of the falling passengers. I think, like, they start off as a real person and then they turn into a CG person Yeah. by the time they hit the water. Um, And then, yeah, and I'm like, is that even real water or is it, like, someone falling into something, you know? I, like I was pa- trying to think uh, like about those it. mats. I forget, like the big, yeah, yeah, pa- the stunt mats or whatever they're called. Yeah, because in the behind the scenes, there were a lot of shots of stunt people falling into green screen mats. Yeah, in foam. So like yeah. they would they would like disappear into the green screen foam, like, okay. and so like that would be them falling into water. So maybe it was green screened water and everything. Yeah, I don't know, but um. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on. A lot of the falling shots, some of them look more obvious than others, but I feel like a lot of them still look pretty good. Yeah, um, I think I, I think they look really good. They, I mean, especially twenty five years. Ago, I know. Plus. I mean, and, and yeah. again, like, and they were doing all the editing in like what, like ninety six. Yeah, like ninety. I mean, like yeah, 90. you like it's it's like you watch Jurassic Park, same thing. It's like you can't believe it's nineteen ninety three. No, um, or earlier. So I said, I love. 
that there's like a shift in the score right mm-hmm. as the lights dim a little bit. So we're seeing what is their um, tilting poop deck that they had. They built like 90 feet of the ship, of like the back of the ship, that they could completely control and tilt all the way up okay. to 90 degrees. So in this scene, like they're actively tilting the back of the ship, this poop deck set um, as far as they can go with all the people. Like, so they're really all walking and struggling. Like, this is not no Dutch angles anymore. Okay. This is really the ship tilting. I was wondering that too. It, it, this one seemed more, it, it's just something in your subconscious triggers and you're like, okay, this feels more like they're actually walking at an angle. Because this was the real deal. Uh, so the lights flicker a little bit and like right as they dim and come back on, the score shifts to being like dun 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 and it's kind of perfect because right after that they cut to a shot of Jack and Rose and they're like trudging up the thing and it goes like kind of perfectly with this like pulsating vibe of the score. Uh, it just all kind of pairs really well and just works well together subconsciously you're thinking of like oh they're struggling to get up there and like the score is supporting that kind of you have to wonder what people's logic was in this moment too like because you have in your head you have to be trying to solve this as like a problem Mm. do i try to get higher do i try to just expedite the process of getting to the sea because that's where i'm headed anyway Mm. so you kind of it's kind of interesting to see and i'm sure there this is rooted in some sort of authenticity but it's just interesting to kind of analyze what people would would have been thinking in that moment because we can't fathom that no and yeah and i feel like maybe okay so maybe like that's why you know they have jack and rose kind of stop and watch people uh more than once yeah like what are other people doing yeah because they stop and watch again right here they stop and look over the railing and see two women jumping Mm -hmm. off the ship into the sea and in my notes i said that at this point it sort of started to feel a little extra of like a weird pause just for the sake of showcasing more chaos yeah but now that you say that i can see it yeah well it is yeah and i do like that it never incredibly becomes about like the problem solving aspect of it like it is more so of like you feel the chaos you feel like this unbridled sense of like what on earth do we do in this situation Mm -hmm. um because i don't think you can really i don't think it's a problem to be solved uh, like realistically i think you just kind of your instincts take over and obviously everyone just gets to the water in one way or the other at some point but yeah yeah so right after that, they stop to watch um, Father Biles, who mm. is a real historical character who had been seen with a group of people saying prayers or last rites or, and apparently he was a second class, he was in second class, but he came to third class to do this. So let's see. Because there, there was another priest and I believe. Yep. Yeah, uh, Brown, I think. And he, he was, was the, the guy, one the that photographer, took pictures. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the one. I he remember. made it off at one of the okay. stops, Ireland yeah. or something, or North. Or yeah, I thought about that too. I was like, wait, okay. I was like, no, this is a different priest. Um. So in this scene, he's saying a hail mary with all the passengers clinging to him, um, and you know, knowing that the end is near. And Jack and Rose, I said, it's almost like they pause to pay respects, or they're also in shock uh, to see how close we are really nearing the end here. Um, 
I don't know because they just kind of make them pause and like be witnesses to this for like five seconds and then keep yeah. moving. Yeah, it, it, it's probably like mixed, right? Like this is something we should be keeping in our minds, or maybe they're trying to like borrow some of the blessings or something like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's happening like as they continue on their journey or whatever. Um, interesting. Yeah, it was an interesting beat. Um, I also, I don't love the actor who played the priest. I don't know what your feelings are about oh. this guy. He was a little like too performative. I thought um, kind of, I, yeah, I can see that it took me out of it a little bit. I mean, obviously like you have to be in that situation to know what someone would be like, but I don't know. Yeah. Like I, he just always came across as, as you know, panicked to me and like trying yeah. to remain calm, but panicking. Yeah. Like I would compare him to like the bandmates or like some of the other people who are in a similar situation who I thought Mm. showed more of a realistic panic, I guess. I don't know. You got to have a mix. Everybody can't be (laughs) reacting exactly the same way. It was, yeah, just for me, it was a little too like on the nose, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's another one of those Titanic quirks, like the way he says these lines really sticks with me. Yeah. (laughs) After they pause to watch Father Biles say these prayers, Jack keeps it moving and he's like, this way. And they keep moving. And I said that at the 25th anniversary re-release, Jack's line of this way was missing. Huh, weird. Every time I saw it, except for, I don't know, maybe one time, it was not there. Okay. Because I had noticed volume issues with some of the theaters and I'm like, maybe one of the speakers that that line was supposed to come out of wasn't on or like you know if it was like surround you know the way they do it now it was supposed to be um remixed with dolby atmos sound or whatever so like Mm -hmm. maybe there was a mistake i don't know but like almost every time it wasn't there and it bothered me so much then it was there randomly another time that i saw it so i was like okay it's probably had something to do with like one of the channels that it was on was like exactly yeah or something weird Uh uh-huh uh, but it bothered me so much because every time I got there, like as someone who just knows every beat of the movie and like that wasn't there, it made the movie feel incomplete. I was the like, most, this is weird. The most innocuous line too. It's not like, the, I it's know. Not like someone just removed it to like bother the hardcore fans. <laughs> but it was, it was so weird. It just felt so empty. Why uh, isn't it there? Uh, but uh, I also say this because there was originally... A different line there. Oh. (laughs) What do we have here? Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) Please tell me. So, right around that moment. So, it's Jack and Rose struggle, blah, blah, blah. They see Father Biles, who has his voice raised in prayer. Jack tugs Rose aft along the deck. And then... (laughs) A quote from Jack. Instead of just this way, which is what it ended up being in the movie... It was originally, come on, Rose, we can't expect God to do all the work for us. <laughs> <laughs> like, apropos of nothing. <laughs> it's like, seriously? <laughs> oh, I get it, because they saw a priest right before. And it's like, why would you say that? These poor people who are there, like, trying to like, you know, use prayer for their last moments, and then you got Jack over here, like, mocking them. Yeah. We can't expect God to do all the work for us. Let's keep going. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that too. Like, that's probably why they removed that because it sounds like super disrespectful to like these people who are literally like, we're we're not gonna make it. So you know, trying to make use of our last moments. But <laughs> yeah, I was like, what wild. kind of line is that? 
Goodness. Oh, uh, man. I know, man. Some of these deleted lines, I'm telling you. <laughs> what was the thought process? Yeah. Also, like, that's, like, implying that the people who didn't make it, like, weren't trying hard enough or something. I don't know. It's, like, yeah. it has all these weird implications to that one line that's kind of strange. Yeah. It's, like, awkward. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's just not natural. Like, I can't yeah, picture yeah. him saying like, that. Like, saying a whole, like, long-winded sentence about... Uh, yeah. Come on, you, Rose. <laughs> you're, like, panicking, and you're, you're saying a whole entire sentence. And he has to say her name again in the sentence. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because it's, it's, it's how it's <laughs> So, after that, we get the, sh- the shot of the stern rising from the side. Mm-hmm. So, you see, like, the propellers coming out from the side, and it's, like, I think it's another, like, model with foreground people but this yeah. one looks good this one looks better than the other one for sure yeah mm-hmm. and like yeah. the water's dripping down from the propellers and yeah and yeah and you like see some of the people swimming and panicking and as i was taking my notes at this particular point i said in all caps i freaking love this movie <laughs> <laughs> and then i went on for like a little paragraph i said dark place to profess my love (laughs) but the intensity the score these visuals the nostalgia i was getting like i got like a wash of like childhood nostalgia in that moment this whole build-up to the imminent sinking that's like going to happen in just a few minutes like in this moment when i was taking my notes it kind of gave me nervous butterflies and like Mm -hmm. that warm feeling inside you get from your favorite thing i don't know i was like it sounds awful to have happened in this particular shot but i'm just forever in love and in awe of this movie because in this moment i saw the shot and i was just like everything they did to put this movie together to achieve what we're seeing Mm -hmm. it was just making my heart so full like the score and just cutting back and forth to jack and rose in between it and no that's why and i mean i think it was roger ebert said like just anytime a movie gets completed it's like a little mini miracle has been achieved but and it's true that's why it's crazy to me when people are picking apart this movie i mean we're picking it apart uh, (laughs) from a different sample but you know like people were like really uh unfairly critical of this movie it's like no like it's so meticulous the way it was put together and like everything had to be firing on all cylinders and and then to come together this well and this perfectly is kind of impossible almost speaking of roger ebert he had said this movie is so technically mind-boggling that it's a wonder that james cameron was able to thread a very successful narrative into it yeah yeah on top of the technical prowess yeah Yeah. definitely also when you describe like the nostalgia of it that's an interesting aspect too is like this movie is so nostalgic for so many people but someone like you who has watched it continuously pretty much over the years it's got to be so interesting to find nostalgia in certain parts I mean, when I watch my favorite shows that I have pretty much watched continuously or favorite movies, even it's interesting where that nostalgia hits in certain parts over the others. And sometimes it's different every time. Sometimes this thing didn't hit it last time, but it hits it this time. And it's just weird where that relationship with nostalgia and watching something that you've has always been a part of your life. That's why it was like, for some reason, just the shot of the ship rising with the score at this particular moment. It just hit. Just so random. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I, I was just taken right <laughs> back to, oh my goodness, yeah. Because mm-hmm. especially 
cutting straight from that to Jack pulling Rose up the tilting poop deck and saying like, come on, like just like pulling her and like just trying to get her to go. Just something about that was getting me. I'm sorry. I love him. Um, I was like, I was just something about it. I was just brought back to just loving Leo in that moment. I wrote in my notes that he's so determined for the two of them to live that it, it it's just kind of heartwarming and then mm. also his outfit is just iconic because <laughs> since we're like at the sinking right now and they're like yeah. they're about to be at the stern in that iconic moment as they go down on the ship just seeing it all come together as i was taking my notes and just them struggling and him in that iconic outfit it's just leo and and there's a shot here is it <clears throat> is there a shot here that is on one of the posters Yes. Maybe. When they're like embracing. Yeah. That's on like one of the posters, not the one behind you, but uh, on yeah, the, okay. yeah, there was like the, the 2012 Blu-ray used. Maybe that's what it was. That. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. And so I, I pointed out again, there was a lot of stuff about the score in this scene that was standing out to me. So I said, the score is perfectly synced with Rose's sigh as soon as they reach the railing. So he's like telling her like, come on. And then right as they get to the railing, the score goes, right? And right when it hits the, right when it hits that, she goes, oh, like right when it hits that. (laughs) It's like perfectly (laughs) perfect. Perfectly in sync. So that's probably going to jump out at people now when they rewatch yeah. it because it's kind of funny when you Insane notice it size. <laughs> and it does make me wonder like the editors were they thinking that like yeah like let's sync that up perfectly with that beat right there probably yeah i mean yeah so then we get another shot of the stern rising from behind except it's a little bit higher now like the i think the um propellers are out of frame and then we cut back to father biles continuing his prayer or his like scripture reading basically it's from the book of revelations mm-hmm. james cameron said that he picked this line or this passage from the book of revelations because no one really knew what father biles was saying historically in this moment so james cameron picked this particular passage because he thinks or he thought that it captured the sad and simultaneously apocalyptic feeling of the final moments of titanic mm-hmm. it does Yeah, and I had said that's so true because I think we have said before that Titanic kind of seems like a microcosm, like it's its own little world on the sea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this passage that Father Biles is saying is, you know, there's a new heaven and a new earth because the former world had passed away. There will be no more this and that. I mean, I'm crying. Um, And the seas, the seas will, was he say the seas will. And and there was no more sea. Yeah, there's no more sea, yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, yes, very appropriate. (laughs) In the full piece of the scripture, well, at least in the screenplay, the holy city coming out of heaven from God, beautiful as a bride prepared to meet her husband. Hmm. I just thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. I heard a loud voice from the throne ring out. This is God's dwelling among men. He shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. And he shall be their God who is always with them. And then it continues. But yeah, just that little piece of like beautiful as a bride prepared to meet her husband. I'm like, mm-hmm. just maybe think of Jack and Rose. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering like the end, end, end of the movie. But yeah. And it's literally like the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. 
Rose and Jack are clinging on to the railing. Um, he's holding her and Rose is getting flustered and she's like looking around at all of the passengers, you know, directly right there near them. And I also said you can feel how cold it is. Um, oh, their breath is like insanely foggy. I think this is digital breath. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. It, looked, it looked pretty good. I know. I said in my notes that it looked pretty good, but then as I started to pay attention to it, I was like, yeah, I think that's digital yeah, breath because yeah. it's there and then it goes away in certain <laughs> scenes and then it's there yeah. and then it's not. But yeah, like her cheeks are super red. Like you really just get the feeling that it is freezing. Mm-hmm. And so she looks to her left and she sees who they call, or at least Alexandra told us they call um, Rebecca Mother at Stern. Yeah. Rebecca Klinger, the actress, was in the Ship of Dreams documentary that we were in that Alexandra Boyd did. Yeah. Um, so this is her. Her son, who's supposed to be about five, according to the screenplay, and saying it'll all be over soon, it'll all be over soon. Just so heartbreaking. Then Rose looks to her right, and she sees Helga. That's Helga. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I was wondering, I was like, I feel like I'm supposed to know who this is. Yep, (laughs) that's Helga. Because I don't think we've ever seen Helga with her hair down, so she looked a little bit different. That might be why, yeah. But yeah, so that's Helga, and that's why... Yeah, it's like this moment, right, where like the score suddenly becomes a little bit more uplifting in this moment. Mm -hmm. And Rose gives like the faintest of smiles and almost like mouths high. Yeah, and she's by herself pretty much, right? I think she's with her family. Like her dad is there out of the frame, I think. Got it. Um, But they're there together. In the script, it says the the family. Okay. But yeah, like Rose just kind of mouths like, hi, like a little bit, like her eyes get a little happier in that moment to like see someone she knows Mm -hmm. or see someone she recognizes. It's just such a strange moment. I don't know. It's like to have such a mundane kind of thing, like in the middle, like these two people who are really just acquaintances who have had you know, some nice experiences together, like the Irish party in third class and whatever else. And like, now here they are faced with their imminent mortality. Like, I don't know. Well, it seems like James Cameron's trying to kind of create this draw from like the familiarity, the comfort of familiarity, the dichotomy between that and something traumatizing, Mm. even if, and, and it almost makes it more poignant. I think that she's not besties with this, girl they're just more of acquaintances yeah because it you're able to kind of like isolate that person as as representative of something versus like if you're too familiar or you're too um close with them then maybe that that meaning is maybe muddled or something right but yeah i think i I thought it was interesting too what you were saying about how yeah um somebody who she kind of gives a smile to her or not even it's almost like a phantom smile yeah but um, yeah, just that familiarity. And then was that before she says, this is where we first met? It's right before. Yeah. Right before. Right. So again, I, so like, it's like it's giving her that feeling. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and so like, I think it's like her character. Yeah. Yeah. And she's even like, even though it's totally unrecognizable, like she's still able to think about the fact that she's she's struggling to find to like grasp at what was previously familiar and comforting good times that she will always remember Mm -hmm. obviously you know the party and and when she first meets jack impactful times yeah so it's yeah this is a that's interesting i never didn't really think about it until you said that i said rose realizes where they're standing and says and i said very melodramatically and a little bit old school jack this is 
is where we first met. It sounds like a comedic beat because it's all this craziness happening, and then she says something so like happy. <laughs> like, like, okay, great, yeah. Over the years, I had always felt like that was a little bit out of place. Yeah, but now I like it. Yeah, yeah, but it's almost it's like almost comedic in a sense. Like you could take it as like if you're in that situation, like why are you bringing this up? Yeah, there's a blurb in the screenplay about it. It says, it's from James Cameron, and it says, That was a demanding moment for Kate. The only way to play Rose's sense of fated destiny was to say it, but without sacrificing the character's fear and realization that they were probably going to die there. It was a fragile idea that could easily not have worked, especially since it was suggested on the spot. Oh, wow. By her? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Wow, that's cool. She did it just right, and it became what I feel to be one of the best moments of the film. Yeah. Yeah, the um, more we're talking about it, I really do I'm growing even more to appreciate this moment just like as far as like we're talking about the familiarity and the comfort. Mm-hmm. And trying to find it like amidst like all this craziness. Because you don't even have to be present to want to find that. Like you can just be subconsciously trying to find comfort. Yeah. You know? Something I really like about it too is that the score transitions into the love theme ever so slightly at that moment. I am. I am. I heard that too. This is where we first met. But yeah, I just love that. And it's not the only time they do that. Cutting to the love theme every now and then uh, to keep threading in Jack and Rose like that and playing with your feelings, like always reminding you of the love theme in the midst of all this. Mm -hmm. Just tying it all together. Um... And James Cameron had said about that on the commentary. He said, I like the uh, the closing of the ellipse here where Rose notices that this is where they first met. It was, you know, one of the tricky things about this film was keeping the, the love story alive woven through a, a, a story of survival that was taking place on such a huge scale, trying not to lose it, trying to find ways to, to uh, reinforce it and strengthen it. When he said to strengthen it, that just made me think I had said that that's very important because even into their last moments, the movie is still building Jack and Rose's connection. Oh, like not a minute is wasted with them. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. that's important because, again, these are the last memories she's going to have. Yeah, we're watching her last moments with Jack. Mm -hmm. That's true in in the context of that, too. Yeah. After she says that this is where we first met, Jack kisses her forehead so powerfully and holds her tighter. And I said, I love him and them. And once again, he looks so determined in that moment. Like, he's not going to lose her. They're going to survive. Because at this point, he has not resigned himself yet. No, yeah. Because we see him do that later. He's like, he makes the decision that, okay, I'm not making it. Um, but at this point, he's I think he's still really trying for the both of them. And so, oh, I said the symmetry, again, of them meeting at the stern uh, when she was trying to kill herself. And now they're both clinging to life at the same spot. Once again, that's just the geography of the ship being interesting like that yeah in parentheses in my notes i couldn't resist i said george lucas it's like poetry it rhymes do you remember when you said that no that's Wait, like what? that it's like that. Wait, was, was it a commentary of like uh episode 
two or something? It was episode one or two. I can't remember. No, it might have been three. I don't know, but it was definitely during the prequels. It's a commentary. Like, he's giving commentary on the movie. He, it's right? not commentary. It's just, like, him talking to a room full of writers, and he's, like, just hyping up his script, basically. <laughs> he's, like... And instead of do- destroying the Death Star, he destroys the ship that controls the robots. Again, it's like poetry. It's sort of they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Hopefully it'll work. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it'll work. <laughs> <laughs> like caveat. We don't even have to try to shoehorn Star Wars into this podcast. Oh, I know. It just it just happens. It just happens. Let's see. Oh, yes. So I said they even reuse the same lines of dialogue, which like in the next scene, the, the literally the very next scene. Yeah. Okay. We're not there yet, but I'm just going to say it. Um, as Jack realizes that they have to get on the other side of the railing as the ship's going up further. Okay, yeah. Otherwise, they'll be hanging there. You know what I mean? He says we have to move. And then when he tries to pull her over <laughs> back to the other side again, he's saying, like, I got you. Like, I won't let go. Like, come on, I got you. Or whatever, right? And it's, yeah. like, literally an exact parallel to this same exact spot geographically <laughs> on the ship earlier in the movie. Some jam cam magic right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but that doesn't happen yet. This little moment with them just ends with Jack holding her tight and the love theme fading into a more grim-sounding score again and ending on father biles where he says and god shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither shall there be sorrow or crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former world has passed away and that's the end of the scene which is prescient to like um you know he's it's talking about basically like heaven and eternity and it's like that's when you know we've you know that's when jack and rose will meet again you know it's a symbolic mm. of that um anticipation i guess mm. i know and then again it's the start of the next scene but there's that really eerie shot of the woman floating in the water at the yeah first class lounge i think <laughs> yeah and i guess james cameron or like the editors decided to put it there they didn't they shot that image and they really liked it they thought it was disturbing and eerie and whatever but they didn't know where to put it and they just i guess they liked it right after his line about the former Hmm. world passing away and then just seeing that i don't know but yeah i like that i like that the movie too never kind of has time especially in the later moments to really like rest in its tones too much like it it kind of constantly yeah uh, like Always it's a moving. collage of all these things. Yeah, it's not ever trying to be, you know, sentimental for too long and it, or or terrifying for too long. It's just kind of weaving it all together really well. Or even funny for too long. <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's totally true. And that's like yeah. another good example of how well this movie blends so many things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for it to move so fast. And still hit on all of these things. And, like, you don't feel like you're missing out on, oh, we need more of that there. We should have had more than that. Yeah. Like, you're just you're just on the journey, like, and it's fine. Yeah, you're yeah. never longing for more of anything. Yeah, everything's just perfect doses of everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that is the end of the scene. Once again, that 
went longer than I thought it would, but it, it, well, but but that's the thing. We read like, some I'll emails say, and stuff, so that's good. Yeah, the two emails. Yep. But even like as far as discussing the scene, like I'll take notes, and like to me, like this wasn't actually a lot of notes, <laughs> two and a half pages or however much it was, three and a half. I don't know. And then yikes, yeah, that's so much. I had two bullet points. Oh gosh. <laughs> But we still talked for like at least maybe 50 minutes for the scene. Mm-hmm. But that's what I, I love about it, though, because I take notes and I think, oh, it's like not that much. But it's always when I sit down and start bouncing it off of you I know. is, you know, when it spirals into more conversation. And yeah. that's that's the beauty of it. And that's why I know I never have to have too many notes for me because I'm, I'm just feeding off of what, what our conversation, how our conversation goes. So. Mm-hmm. You said you have two bullet points. What were the bullet points? <laughs> um, one of them was a question shot from the poster, question mark. Yeah, which which you asked, yep. And then don't love the actor playing the priest. Which you said, okay. <laughs> As you can see, you guys, Ethan's notes are very detailed. Highlighted, um, yep. color coordinated. <laughs> you know how I do. Because you, you need to highlight those two sentences. <laughs> Highlight the words. Lest you uh, forget them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, mine are highlighted, color-coded, literally all of that. Yeah. Uh, sectioned off into James Cameron commentary, historical commentary, screenplay, my live watch notes. Oh, yeah, let me see. Was there any historical notes I forgot to mention? Um, oh, they had just mentioned how there were, like, soft foam dummies. Okay. Along the poop deck um especially like when it ends up tilting to 90 degrees a lot of the people were dummies laying there (laughs) there were padded sets as well so like i don't know what that thing is called that the priest is holding on to like that big round forgive me everybody uh but yeah that thing was definitely made of foam or at least one of them was made of foam and so sometimes when i see one of the passengers holding on to the edge of it i try to see if i can see it looking foamy oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah you can see yeah i love looking for that stuff later on like in the next scene when everybody's falling and stuff like that on the vhs one of the guys hits that thing or like because there's more than one of those one of the guys hits it and you totally see it move like it's all foamy oh, really? and it's wrinkly nice. on the on the original VHS version you can totally yeah. see that happen and then they went in frame by frame in the remake and they smoothed it out and they made it look solid and yeah the uh, we was watched uh, Mission Impossible Fallout and there's like a fight scene and uh, you can t- it's like in a bathroom so it's supposed to be like ceramic floor and you can see Tom Cruise like kneels on it and it squishes down like very slightly. <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah, there's a good um, YouTube channel called Corridor Crew. If anyone's interested in like learning more about special effects, stunt work and stuff. And they like dissect scenes. Really good stuff if anyone out there is interested in that. Cool. Well, there you go. Yep. So that will just about do it for At The Stern, scene 34. Yeah, we're we're here. We're at the stern. They're about to go down on the ship, like literally riding it down like an elevator, like they say. I know, but we're I can't believe we're here. And this is 
one of my favorite scenes. Like yeah. this climax of the sinking sequence, these final moments of the ship going down, these next one or two scenes we're going to be talking about transfixes. Is that, is that a word? Transfixes mm-hmm. <laughs> transfixes me the most. Um, when I watch this movie, especially in theaters, Oh, it just genuinely takes your breath away when you yeah. see it. It's the most cinematic stuff coming up here. So thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Be sure to follow on all of our socials. They will be linked in the show notes or the description. One in the same. I realize I say description, but on some platforms it says show notes. So I'm like, hope they know what I mean. They know what I mean. Um, Send us a voicemail, please, via the link at the very bottom of the show notes. Send us an email, titanicscenebyscene at gmail.com. Is that everything? Follow us on Letterboxd. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We forgot to shout those out these last one or two episodes, I think. Yeah. So my Letterboxd, Ethan's Letterboxd, they're both linked. I know. I hadn't watched a lot of movies in a while because I've been adjusting to yes. my new work schedule. Um, I haven't had a lot of time, but I did recently. I watched a couple things, so I got some new <laughs> some new uh, reviews up there. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I want to try to get back on that because, yeah, I'm seeing... I'm Actually, I'm seeing Titanic the Musical. Really? Oh, yeah, cool. in, in theaters this month. Um, at my favorite local theater, they're showing that. And I was like, that's just so specific. I'm like, I should probably go see it. Because like, I know I saw Titanic the musical when I was a kid. Based on the movie? No, it's like its own musical. It's based like a on- separate thing. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I saw it when I was a kid when it came to Boston or something. And I got a shirt that says Titanic, a new musical. But it's long gone. I don't know where it went. And it only fit me when I was like eight. I, I, I can't even I can't even comprehend what oh I know that's why I'm like I should probably just go see it I, it apparently won a Tony award and everything really? yeah that's awesome I need to hear some songs but yeah so that'll just about do it thank you once again and we will see you in the next scene <laughs>